Paul's letter to Philemon. From Paul, who is in jail for serving Christ Jesus, and from Timothy, who is like a brother because of our faith. Philemon, you work with us and are very dear to us. This letter is to you and to the church that meets in your home. It is also to our dear friend Apphia and to Archippus, who serves the Lord as we do. I pray that God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ will be kind to you and will bless you with peace. Philemon, each time I mention you in my prayers, I thank God. I hear about your faith in our Lord Jesus and about your love for all God's people. As you share your faith with others, I pray that they may come to know all the blessings Christ has given us. My friend, your love has made me happy and has greatly encouraged me. It has also cheered the hearts of God's people. Christ gives me the courage to tell you what to do but I would rather ask you to do it simply because of love. Yes, as someone in jail for Christ, I beg you to help Onesimus. He is like a son to me, because I led him to Christ, here in jail. Before this he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. Sending Onesimus back to you makes me very sad. I would like to keep him here with me, where he could take your place in helping me while I am here in prison for preaching the good news. But I won't do anything unless you agree to it first. I want your act of kindness to come from your heart and not be something you feel forced to do. Perhaps Onesimus was taken from you for a little while so that you could have him back for good, but not as a slave. Onesimus is much more than a slave. To me he is a dear friend, but to you he is even more, both as a person and as a follower of the Lord. If you consider me a friend because of Christ, then welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me. If he has cheated you or owes you anything, charge it to my account. With my own hand I write, I, Paul will pay you back. But don't forget that you owe me your life. My dear friend and follower of Christ our Lord, please cheer me up by doing this for me. I'm sure you will do all I have asked and even more. Please get a room ready for me. I hope your prayers will be answered and I can visit you. Epaphras is also here in jail for being a follower of Christ Jesus. He sends his greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, who work together with me. I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ will be kind to you. Hebrews chapter 1 Long ago, in many ways and at many times, God's prophets spoke his message to our ancestors. But now at last, God sent his Son to bring his message to us. God created the universe by his Son, and everything will someday belong to the Son.
God's sun has all the brightness of God's own glory and is like him in every way. By his own mighty word, he holds the universe together. After the sun had washed away our sins, he sat down at the right side of the glorious God in heaven. He had become much greater than the angels, and the name he was given is far greater than any of theirs. God has never said to any of the angels, You are my son, because today I have become your father. Neither has God said to any of them, I will be his father, and he will be my son. When God brings his firstborn son into the world, he commands all his angels to worship him. And when God speaks about the angels, he says, I change my angels into wind and my servants into flaming fire. But God says about his son, You are God and you will rule as king forever. Your royal power brings about justice. You loved justice and hated evil, and so I, your God, have chosen you. I appointed you and made you happier than any of your friends. The scriptures also say, In the beginning, Lord, you were the one who laid the foundation of the earth and created the heavens. They will all disappear and wear out like clothes, but you will last forever. You will roll them up like a robe and change them like a garment, but you are always the same, and you will live forever. God never said to any of the angels, Sit at my right side until I make your enemies into a footstool for you. Angels are merely spirits, sent to serve people who are going to be saved. Hebrews chapter 2 We must give our full attention to what we were told, so that we won't drift away. The message spoken by angels proved to be true, and all who disobeyed or rejected it were punished as they deserved. So if we refuse this great way of being saved, how can we hope to escape? The Lord himself was the first to tell about it, and the people who heard the message proved to us that it was true. God himself showed that his message was true by performing all kinds of powerful miracles and wonders. He also gave his Holy Spirit to anyone he chose to. We know that God did not put the future world under the power of angels. Somewhere in the scriptures, someone says to God, What makes you care about us humans? Why are you concerned for weaklings such as we? You made us lower than the angels for a while, yet you have crowned us with glory and honour, and you have put everything under our power. God has put everything under our power and has not left anything out of our power. But we still don't see it all under our power. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels. Because of God's wonderful kindness, Jesus died for everyone. And now that Jesus has suffered and died, he is crowned with glory and honour. Everything belongs to God, and all things were created by his power. So God did the right thing when he made Jesus perfect by suffering, as Jesus led many of God's children to be saved and to share in his glory. Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why he isn't ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. He even said to God, I will tell them your name and sing your praises when they come together to worship. He also said, 
I will trust God. Then he said, Here I am with the children God has given me. We are people of flesh and blood. That is why Jesus became one of us. He died to destroy the devil, who had power over death. But he also died to rescue all of us who live each day in fear of dying. Jesus clearly did not come to help angels, but he did come to help Abraham's descendants. He had to be one of us so that he could serve God as our merciful and faithful high priest and sacrifice himself for the forgiveness of our sins. And now that Jesus has suffered and was tempted, he can help anyone else who is tempted. Hebrews chapter 3 My friends, God has chosen you to be his holy people. So think about Jesus, the one we call our apostle and high priest. Jesus was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in serving all God's people. But Jesus deserves more honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house deserves more honor than the house. Of course, every house is built by someone, and God is really the one who built everything. Moses was a faithful servant and told God's people what would be said in the future. But Christ is the son in charge of God's people, and we are those people if we keep on being brave and don't lose hope. It's just as the Holy Spirit says, If you hear God's voice today, don't be stubborn. Don't rebel like those people who were tested in the desert. For 40 years, your ancestors tested God and saw the things he did. Then God got tired of them and said, You people never show good sense and you don't understand what I want you to do. God became angry and told the people, You will never enter my place of rest. My friends, watch out. Don't let evil thoughts or doubts make any of you turn from the living God. You must encourage one another each day, and you must keep on while there is still a time that can be called today. If you don't, then sin may fool some of you and make you stubborn. We were sure about Christ when we first became his people, so let's hold tightly to our faith until the end. The scriptures say, If you hear his voice today, don't be stubborn like those who rebelled. Who were those people that heard God's voice and rebelled? Weren't they the same ones that came out of Egypt with Moses? Who were the people that made God angry for 40 years? Weren't they the ones that sinned and died in the desert? And who did God say would never enter his place of rest? Weren't they the ones that disobeyed him? We see that those people did not enter the place of rest because they did not have faith. Hebrews chapter 4 The promise to enter the place of rest is still good, and we must take care that none of you miss out. We have heard the message just as they did, but they failed to believe what they heard, and the message did not do them any good. Only people who have faith will enter the place of rest. It is just as the scriptures say. God became angry and told the people, You will never enter my place of rest. God said this 
even though everything has been ready from the time of creation. In fact, somewhere the scriptures say that by the seventh day, God had finished his work and so he rested. We also read that he later said, You people will never enter my place of rest. This means that the promise to enter is still good, because those who first heard about it disobeyed and did not enter. Much later, God told David to make the promise again, just as I've already said. If you hear his voice today, don't be stubborn. If Joshua had really given the people rest, there would not be any need for God to talk about another day of rest. But God has promised us a Sabbath when we will rest, even though it has not yet come. On that day, God's people will rest from their work, just as God rested from his work. We should do our best to enter that place of rest, so that none of us will disobey and miss going there, as they did. What God has said isn't only alive and active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. His word can cut through our spirits and souls and through our joints and marrow, until it discovers the desires and thoughts of our hearts. Nothing is hidden from God. He sees through everything, and we will have to tell him the truth. We have a great high priest who has gone into heaven, and he is Jesus, the Son of God. That is why we must hold on to what we have said about him. Jesus understands every weakness of ours, because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. So whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved kindness, and we will find help. Hebrews chapter 5 Every high priest is appointed to help others by offering gifts and sacrifices to God because of their sins. A high priest has weaknesses of his own, and he feels sorry for foolish and sinful people. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins and for the sins of others. But no one can have the honour of being a high priest simply by wanting to be one. Only God can choose a priest, and God is the one who chose Aaron. That is how it was with Christ. He became a high priest, but not just because he wanted the honour of being one. It was God who told him, you are my son, because today I have become your father. In another place, God says, You are a priest forever, just like Melchizedek. God had the power to save Jesus from death. And while Jesus was on earth, he begged God with loud crying and tears to save him. He truly worshipped God, and God listened to his prayers. Jesus is God's own son, but still he had to suffer before he could learn what it really means to obey God. Suffering made Jesus perfect, and now he can save forever all who obey him. This is because God chose him to be a high priest like Melchizedek. Much more could be said about this subject, but it is hard to explain and all of you are slow to understand. By now you should have been teachers, but once again, you need to be taught the simplest things about what God has said. You need milk instead of solid food. 
People who live on milk are like babies who don't really know what is right. Solid food is for mature people who have been trained to know right from wrong. Hebrews, chapter 6. We must try to become mature and start thinking about more than just the basic things we were taught about Christ. We shouldn't need to keep talking about why we ought to turn from deeds that bring death and why we ought to have faith in God. And we shouldn't need to keep teaching about baptisms or about the laying on of hands or about people being raised from death in the future judgment. Let's grow up, if God is willing. But what about people who turn away after they've already seen the light and have received the gift from heaven and have shared in the Holy Spirit? What about those who turn away after they've received the good message of God and the powers of the future world? There is no way to bring them back. What they are doing is the same as nailing the Son of God to a cross and insulting him in public. A field is useful to farmers if there is enough rain to make good crops grow. In fact, God will bless that field. But land that produces only thorn bushes is worthless. It is likely to fall under God's curse, and in the end, it will be set on fire. My friends, we are talking this way, but we are sure that you are doing those really good things that people do when they are being saved. God is always fair. He will remember how you helped his people in the past and how you are still helping them. You belong to God. And he won't forget the love you have shown his people. We wish that each of you would always be eager to show how strong and lasting your hope really is. Then you would never be lazy. You would be following the example of those who had faith and were patient until God kept his promise to them. No one is greater than God. So he made a promise in his own name when he said to Abraham, I, the Lord, will bless you with many descendants. Then, after Abraham had been very patient, he was given what God had promised. When anyone wants to settle an argument, they make a vow by using the name of someone or something greater than themselves. So when God wanted to prove for certain that his promise to his people could not be broken, he made a vow. God cannot tell lies, and so his promises and vows are two things that can never be changed. We have run to God for safety. Now his promises should greatly encourage us to take hold of the hope that is right in front of us. This hope is like a firm and steady anchor for our souls. In fact, hope reaches behind the curtain and into the most holy place. Jesus has gone there ahead of us, and he is our high priest forever just like Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 7 Melchizedek was both king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He was the one that went out and gave Abraham his blessing when Abraham returned from killing the kings. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything he had. The meaning of the name Melchizedek is king of justice. But since Salem means peace, he is also king of peace. We are not told that he had a father or mother or ancestors or beginning or end. He is like the Son of God and will be a priest forever. 
Notice how great Melchizedek is. Our famous ancestor Abraham gave him a tenth of what he'd taken from his enemies. The law teaches that even Abraham's descendants must give a tenth of what they possess. And they are to give this to their own relatives, who are the descendants of Levi and our priests. Although Melchizedek wasn't a descendant of Levi, Abraham gave him a tenth of what he had. Then Melchizedek blessed Abraham, who had been given God's promise. Everyone agrees that a person who gives a blessing is greater than the one who receives the blessing. Priests are given a tenth of what people earn. But all priests die, except Melchizedek. And the scriptures teach that he is alive. Levi's descendants are now the ones who receive a tenth from people. We could even say that when Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth, Levi also gave him a tenth. This is because Levi was born later into the family of Abraham, who gave a tenth to Melchizedek. Even though the law of Moses says that the priests must be descendants of Levi, those priests cannot make anyone perfect. So there needs to be a priest like Melchizedek, rather than one from the priestly family of Aaron. And when the rules for selecting a priest are changed, the law must also be changed. The person we are talking about is our Lord, who came from a tribe that had never had anyone to serve as a priest at the altar. Everyone knows he came from the tribe of Judah, and Moses never said that priests would come from that tribe. All this becomes clearer when someone who is like Melchizedek is appointed to be a priest. That person wasn't appointed because of his ancestors, but because his life can never end. The scriptures say about him, You are a priest forever, just like Melchizedek. In this way, a weak and useless command was put aside, because the law cannot make anything perfect. At the same time, we are given a much better hope, and it can bring us close to God. God himself made a promise when this priest was appointed. But he did not make a promise like this when the other priests were appointed. The promise he made is, I, the Lord, promise that you will be a priest forever, and I will never change my mind. This means that Jesus guarantees us a better agreement with God. There have been a lot of other priests, and all of them have died. But Jesus will never die and so he will be a priest forever. He is forever able to save the people he leads to God, because he always lives to speak to God for them. Jesus is the high priest we need. He is holy and innocent and faultless, and not at all like us sinners. Jesus is honoured above all beings in heaven, and he is better than any other high priest. Jesus doesn't need to offer sacrifices each day for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He offered a sacrifice once for all when he gave himself. The law appoints priests who have weaknesses, but God's promise, which came later than the law, appoints his son, and he is the perfect high priest forever. Hebrews Chapter 8 
What I mean is that we have a high priest who sits at the right side of God's great throne in heaven. He also serves as the priest in the most holy place, inside the real tent there in heaven. This tent of worship was set up by the Lord, not by humans. Since all priests must offer gifts and sacrifices, Christ also needed to have something to offer. If he were here on earth, he would not be a priest at all, because here the law appoints other priests to offer sacrifices. But the tent where they serve is just a copy and a shadow of the real one in heaven. Before Moses made the tent, he was told, Be sure to make it exactly like the pattern you were shown on the mountain. Now Christ has been appointed to serve as a priest in a much better way, and he has given us much assurance of a better agreement. If the first agreement with God had been all right, there would not have been any need for another one. But the Lord found fault with it and said, I tell you the time will come when I will make a new agreement with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. It won't be like the agreement that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. They broke their agreement with me and I stopped caring about them. But now I tell the people of Israel this is my new agreement. The time will come when I, the Lord, will write my laws on their minds and hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Not one of them will have to teach another to know me, their Lord. All of them will know me, no matter who they are. I will treat them with kindness, even though they are wicked. I will forget their sins. When the Lord talks about a new agreement, he means the first one is out of date, and anything that is old and useless will soon disappear. 